These are not true stories, but they are true stories. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. It's a 1986 film about a small Texas town, and it's set during the sesquicentennial, directed by the lead singer of one of the seminal avant-garde rock bands of the 80s. Wait, wait, what? This week, we're talking about David Byrne's movie, True Stories. But first, what's your favorite non-Eagles Don Henley song? I like All She Wants to Do is Dance. Great song. Great cook. Great song. Yeah, that's that's definitely the one that sticks in my mind the most. Makes me want to boogie. Um, but since you picked it, I'll go with probably what's my second favorite, which is uh, The End of Innocence, uh, largely because of the Bruce Hornsby contribution to that to that track. Good, good, solid uh, mid 80s um, easy rock song. Yeah, M-O-R, middle of the road. Well, yep. just just because I I truly hate my friend Sean McIver, <laughs> I want to pick not only his most annoying Christmas song, but a song that is an Eagles song, Please Come Home for Christmas, which feels like a Don Henley song, but it's probably not. It's but, an Eagles song. But you think, <laughs> we've done so many of these questions, and then you like go and you've got like, well... I know I'm supposed to pick my favorite like mustard made in Texas, but here's my top six mustards made in Texas. Okay. Or you go on a little, <laughs> and I know it's supposed to be. I don't like to. I can't eat corn, Mike, because my stomach is a rocky place where food can find no purchase. <laughs> All right, here I'll make you happy. Boys of Summer, but not the Dunn Henley version. The Atari's version. There. Okay. How about the Eagles version of Boys of Summer? <laughs> Get out of my head, man! That, that they that they that they sang in uh, Rio de Janeiro in 1998. <laughs> they're in their their endless world tours. It's the live reunion tour. It's the live version from the 1999 tour, man. Yeah, there you go. Oh my uh, goodness! So today we're doing another one of our wonderful come and take it watches with you. Let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, who are the talking heads? Who's David Byrne? And what in what is this movie? Now, if you have and then and then also I guess you would tell people where maybe they can find it and then if they can and then why they should watch it. Yeah. So the the movie is called True Stories. It's from 1986, as we said in our intro. Uh, it's directed by David Byrne, who was the lead singer of the band The Talking Heads, who is a very famous New York City-based uh, proto pre early punk avant-garde art rock band uh i mean you if you don't know who talk the talking heads are i mean it's kind of hard to think people that don't know who the talking heads are but if you've heard the song once in a lifetime uh, burning down the house life during wartime uh, psycho killer uh many many great songs mm. uh, uh many many great songs i mean they, they just had a ton of fantastic songs but uh they were very popular in the late 70s early 80s um, and they did an, a movie, a uh, concert film called Stop Making Sense, directed by uh, Jonathan Demi. Uh, and it was 1984. It did extremely well. The album did, did well. It was a concert. Um, and the movie uh, version of it did very well. And so 
uh, film studio decided, hey, this 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 uh, David Byrne guy, he's, he's a pretty smart guy. Let's give him let's give him a bunch of money and let him go make a movie. And so uh, he went out to make a movie. And so one of our favorite actors in the world is the actor Stephen Toblowski. Uh, Scott, tell us who Stephen Toblowski is. Bing! Bing! From Groundhog Day, the actor from Groundhog Day. You've all seen him. He is yes. a Texan. He's a Texan. Uh, he's an actor uh, and a musician. He pre- he played in a band with uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan early in Stevie Ray Vaughan's life. Uh, but he was an actor and a playwright. And he said recently in a, one of his podcast episodes that he and his girlfriend met David Byrne uh, when they were invited to a private screening of Stop Making Sense. And Byrne invited them to his house, showed them a whole bunch, hundreds of drawings that he'd made. And he put up on his wall. And he said these were clippings that he had from scrapbooks from tabloids that he picked up as the band had been on tour over the past several years. And he wanted to make a movie based on the premise. And he said, what if all these stories are true? He asked Toblowski and his girlfriend to write a script and based on those drawings uh, from the tabloids that he'd, he'd read. And so Toblowski went back and they sat down and they said, well, Texas has, we're from Texas. The 150th anniversary of the state is coming up and uh, it's the sesquicentennial. And we talked about that uh, in an episode a few years ago. And he said, well, they said, well, this will provide a framework for the characters that Byrne had come up with. And so they wrote a draft of the screenplay and he held on to it for about a year. Uh, and then he contacted him and said he'd rewritten the screenplay, but he was going to keep some of the lines and he liked the sesquicentennial. He liked setting it in Texas and he asked them to let him leave their names on the project as the screenwriters, uh, so that he would not be seen as having a vanity project, even though this was a vanity project. So they agreed. Um, but when they had had discussions, uh, Mike, why don't you take this part? You talk about the, 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 the psychic thing. Yeah, so, but an interesting twist of this is early on, Tobolowsky's early talks with Byrne, he, he told him a story that he, where, where he had had this psychic experience during college, and he described it as being able to hear, you know, quote-unquote tones that would tell him things about people. And uh, David Byrne loved the story, so he incorporated it when he did his rewrite, and that becomes the basis of the character Ramon's psychic powers, and uh, also the song Radiohead, which then later would inspire another group called Radiohead. Yeah. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, so they, they packed up and they went out to the Dallas area uh, and began filming this movie. Um, and they filmed it in the Dallas suburbs of Allen, which Mike used to live in, and uh, Plano and McKinney, uh, which I live in, and Mesquite and Red Oak, which is south of Dallas. Uh, they also used uh, mall scenes, uh, filming the outside of the Big Town Mall in Mesquite, which is now defunct. It's demolished. But they did the interiors in the North Park Center, which is in North Dallas. And that, that's that's a mall that's still open. It's a pretty famous mall. I think the, one of the reasons they used that mall was because the, if you've been in North Park, the, the corridors are really, really wide. Uh, so they could probably do a lot of the, the sets and the, the the tracking shots that they were doing. I'm going to tell you about the the basic plot of this movie, and nothing that I say 
will actually spoil anything because it's a really weird movie. I saw this movie many years ago back in college. I loved it back when I first saw it. And 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 I always kind of wanted in the back of my head, I think we should do this movie as a watches because it's set in Texas. It's about Texas. It's about a fictional it's small one of the town. most Texan films we've watched, I would say. It is one of them, yeah. I mean, it's about a fictional Texas town called Virgil. Uh, and the town, he plays this stranger, this guy who drives into town in the 1986 convertible Chrysler the Baron, which is wonderful. Um, and he's wearing a cowboy hat and a, you know, a shiny suit. Uh, and he's talking to people. It's kind of a, it kind of has a documentary feel, a mockumentary feel in some ways, but it's also, it's a series of vignettes of little scenes that are kind of grouped together kind of thematically. Um, well, and, I would say too. The other thing is that it is very like we got into a discussion about this. We, you know, you guys out there who've heard us talk about this, we talk about this stuff online to each other as we kind of build up this. But this to give to describe this to somebody who is just bound and determined to have never seen it and not watch it, even though they're listening to a podcast about it. Um, it has a look like it's very pro to me. It was very proto, kind of like a proto Wes Anderson sort of like short film, like, like a very well-produced slacker. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a certain, I don't know, I would almost say surrealism to yes. the way this movie is put together. Cause it transitions very smoothly from, Hey, here's a practical shot of a, a guy driving up to the mall in his convertible um, to, okay, here's a, a rear projection sort of process shot of him driving down the road where he's not actually driving. He's sitting in yeah. front of the screen, you know, and just kind of the, the way things are staged and, and edited together, you know, it's, it's realistic, but in a very odd sort of way, you know? Yeah. I, I, I almost would say that uh, it struck me that there was a lot of similarity to um, John Waters films and, Especially in the choice of the color palette. Well, yeah, and it's and it's it's a it's an it is a surreal. There's some surrealism, but it's a very subtle surrealism. It's a very subdued and understated surrealism, if that's even possible. But you know, when you're thinking about talk, the Talking Heads and David Byrne, that is something that's possible because of the as the nature of his character that he plays as as a performer. He's very angular and very uncomfortable, and yet. That's that's there's a there's a level of that in this film now. So the the framework is as we said it's the sesquicentennial of Texas, the 150th anniversary of Texas independence. So he's come to this town to observe this town as it's preparing for the celebration of specialness, which marks their version of sesquicentennial. And this event is sponsored by a local computer manufacturing plant called Vericorp. And the the thing about it is is the town is very interesting because. And I think it's a good choice to to say, put this this film in Texas because the 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 perspectives of the movie are based on different characters. Uh, he is uh, talking to and observing these different characters in the town, uh, and these different characters have different motivations and different things that they're looking for in life, uh, and different views on the things that, that are going on in this town. But I think one of the things that's occurring is that that the the this is Texas, North Texas, flat, flat land. And you've got this, what is supposed to be this modest sized town, um, but these crisscross spiderweb uh, freeways everywhere, interstate highways everywhere. Uh, but you've got, you've got these small town feel 
and these these vast vistas of prairie, and yet you've got these metal buildings and these tracks of housing housing tracks and this computer computer manufacturer that seems to be out in by itself in the middle of a prairie, um, and that's that's kind of the to me that really struck as as telling is because one of the themes of the of the film is commercialism, but also the on the encroach of modern life and of of technology in the sort of the 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 rural america the the traditional america and so you really see this because you've got these these houses being built uh these track housing being built in the middle of what used to be farmland actually a character even says what use is land except what you build on it um and then you've got uh, like I said, this computer plant that's that's in the middle of a prairie, you, uh, that and you get these malls, these 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 sprawling, big, huge malls in Texas, in like rural Texas. So, I thought that was really interesting. Well, I mean, the thing is, this is that it's 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 hard to wrap your head around what this film is really about. Like, if it had a yeah, central, there's not really a plot. There's, there's not, not really a plot. It's a like, but I mean, to me, it would be like, well, what's the theme of this movie? The theme is is that. It's set at a time. All right. Here's my thing that I talked oh, from. I thought the plot was uh, trying to get John Goodman a woman. Well, that's true. Okay. So what's <laughs> what is John Goodman's character? I mean, that's because this is a it's a series of different characters. And like I said, we're looking at things. David Byrne's character is looking at things through their perspective. Well, okay, but but I guess what I say this is, um, first of all, yeah, John Goodman, he's a delight. But I guess what I would just kind of say what's interesting is. You're looking at the 150th anniversary of Texas, mm-hmm. and here's this sort of innocent narrator that shows up in the story uh, wearing a cowboy hat. And you notice he's the only guy wearing the cowboy hat. He's mm-hmm. pretty much the most, you know, the only, you know, everybody else is just, they're all professionals. They're all wearing suits. They all have jobs. They're all people who are just like in this sort of small town of events of what's going on. And it's all about the fact that you go, oh, well, this is the the prairie the frontier of texas and it's it's all malls and it's all like housing developments and it's all people who work in factories or in um technology manufacturing jobs or like it's all just sort of about the fact that small t- is this it's this i think he intended it based on an article that i read that it's supposed to be not an ironic sarcastic look at small town american life that it's supposed to be sort of this is actually what life is kind of it's kind of a hyper realistic version of what life yeah. is like for people in small town america that are yeah, dealing with mocking. transformation and growing it's not um, yeah. it's not making fun but it's very avant-garde you know it's yeah. just it's it it really fits his 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 style it's it's very existential there's there's a lot of these strange non sequiturs or or even just like uh, these observations that he make that that don't make a lot of sense that that are like oh what's he talking about what's he saying you know like there's things in every vignette has like a different theme and piece that you know the the parts of the the to me one of the the most striking there's a couple of things to me that i'll just throw out since you know since you you gave your rambling monologue i'll throw out a couple of my thoughts on some things it's like one is like there are very strange pieces of dialogue in this film mm-hmm. they're very unique characters by the way all that shoehorned in that is a bunch of songs he wrote which he knew were going to be on the album and were used to promote and then they could use parts of what they filmed for this movie to be music videos 
So there, there's a there's a commercialism part of this. Of there's a lot of kind of forced music song pieces in here, but there's a my, to me one of my favorite scenes is Spalding Gray is this commerce development person. There's this very odd and uncomfortable dinner where the husband and wife don't speak, but he starts, except to their children, except he, to their teenage they, children. They talk to the children yeah. and it's like tell your mother this and the mother tells that, but it's not. It's just weird. But you move past that and Spalding Gray starts giving this big speech about like commerce and the modern world and and the working world and he talks about economics has become a spiritual thing there's no concept of weekends anymore and he starts going on this big diatribe and you're like this sounds like something that you would have seen on a on a poster at you know <laughs> at the occupy wall street stuff a couple of years ago <laughs> you know like if you you and you listen to it and it, and then it turns into this orchestrated dance with food around the table and the lights come up and down and it becomes an Esther Williams you know kind of synchronized swimming production of the food dancing around the table but it's not animated dancing he's just throwing asparagus in the air with the excitement of telling the story of the progress and the the transformation of Texas. And, and I think every character kind of represents a piece of that evolution. And I think maybe this speaks, some of these speak to us because of our age in that we, you know, came of age, we're old enough to have, you know, we were children of the eighties. So I think we came of age around these sort of transformation things of, you might see, this move from oil to technology, depending on where you were at in, in the place. But there's also weird conspiracy theories and there's a whole bunch of other weird stuff in there too. Yeah. So yeah, there, I think the musical numbers, most of them work, some of them don't, but most of them work. And the film is actually building to a finale, a, a talent show at the end of this celebration for this town. And, and John Goodman's character is trying to write this song and he's going to perform this song at this talent show. And he's also, looking for love. He's dating different women. He's not interested. He, and, and the interesting thing about John Gibbons character. So he's this teddy bear kind of guy who, who works in the clean room at this computer place. Uh, and he says, he's, he's not, I'm not a swinger. I'm not into swinging. I'm, he's not, he's not into sleeping around. He's not into, he's not a, he's not a cad. He, he actually genuinely is looking for marriage. He says marriage is an important goal to have in life. And so he's looking for this tradition this love, you know, romance ideal. Uh, and he's going out with all these women that, that are all crazy. Uh, and, and then he winds up finding himself. He find love finds him and through this performance of the song, but, um, some of the other characters there's, uh, we talked about the, the character, the radio head character, Tito Lavar, Tito Lavaria, who is a famous Tejano musician. If you've seen, the movie from Dust Till Dawn, he's Tio and the Tarantulas. Uh, he's good friends with uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez. Robert team, Rodriguez, yeah. yeah. He's, he's been great. in most of his movies. Right. Well, he plays a guy who works in the computer place, <laughs> the computer plant, who can touch people's heads and read the radio waves in their head. And he's also this kind of kind of suave ladies' man kind of guy who's flirting with all the women. He also plays uh, in a Tejano band. So, very, very interesting character. Um, there's Susie Kurtz plays a wealthy shut-in who's obsessed with television, um, and she talks back to the TV. Um, her caretaker is Pop Staples, who's the, who's the leader of the famous soul band and gospel band, the Staples Singer. He plays a voodoo witch doctor uh, who's also like a yeah. home, home nurse. 
Yeah, it's one thing weird. one thing we need to make sure that we point out though is like he points it out in the film is like, well, she's not sick. She just if you had that much money, would you want to get out of bed yeah, or something to, to that effect? She's it's a like robot she just, feeding her. It's like she just decided that uh, she has enough money. She doesn't want to get out of bed, so she's going to live her life in bed. Yeah, yeah, she does. So, um, and then uh, there's the we'll get to the conspiracy preacher in, in a minute. But there's the best character in the movie, I think, is Joe Harvey Allen, who is a lady uh, performance artist from Texas. Uh, her husband is a musician who was friends with uh, David Byrne. Uh, she is a character who has a million patently untrue stories. Uh, she constantly is doing these non sequiturs comments like Burt Reynolds is going to marry me and give up all his money. And I said, I want the money. And, uh, what else did she say? Oh, the real Rambo was in love with me when I was a nurse in Vietnam. <laughs> she is very much. Um, but then that said, like, I think we've probably all known somebody like that in our yeah. lives. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is some of these characters are archetypes. There's like a lady who is dressed in, dresses all in pink and has pink house and everything. She's a pink lady. And like, yeah, you've seen this lady, but the, the the scene that I love the most is the the song. There's a there's a there's a church, and the preacher is this conspiracy obsessed preacher who's talking straight out of the church church of the subgenius. I mean, he's talking about the Council on Foreign Relations and and the trilateral commission. trilateral commission <laughs> and 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 the best line is you why why is it you run out of Toilet paper, Kleenex, and paper towels in the same day. Elvis knew. <laughs> and and then he goes into the song Puzzle and Evidence, which is a talking head song, but he sings it. And it's this gospel song, but it's about all this crazy coincidence of everything. So I, I think that scene is like, that's the, to me, that's the height of the surrealism of the movie, is that particular scene. That and the, uh, the fashion show in the mall where everyone's wearing absolutely insane clothes. Um, that subvert the uh, both fashion and nature in in one swoop. Well, it's it's a thing of you know it's a thing of where this movie. Like, I don't even know. Like I mean, God, I I hope people have gone and watch this movie because otherwise it's gonna be like you know we'll see you what next you week, guys, folks. What are you crazy people talking about? Yeah, uh, there's an interesting point in the movie too. So there's this, the narrative thread is, is that you keep coming back to John Goodman, whom the camera loves and who is just young and super charming in this. Ramon sends him to this healer guy. So he drives to this little house and this guy's got this weird little, I don't know what you would call it, like a little altar, temple-y, um, is set up in his house makes him take off all the metal on his body and he's like I can tell you're looking for, you're looking for love and he says a great quote he said often our true nature is not what we hope it is and there's these weird little <laughs> like it would be if I opened a fortune cookie and read that I'd be like boom thanks fortune cookie that's a good one um it, there's just these weird little moments and these weird little characters and you sort of he weaves them together he pulls them apart but it, it's really amazing to me is that for a guy born in Scotland and raised in Maryland, he did a really good job putting his finger on a lot of interesting aspects of living in small town Texas and not just central Texas or North Texas, but South Texas and West Texas and East Texas. He touches on a lot of weird things without it being like Bernie, if that makes yeah. sense. 
Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> and and it's, and for those who've seen Bernie, like that movie is pure East Texas, and you those characters speak to you loud and clear of who they are. This is different, and I can't. Maybe you can help me break down and differentiate why these archetypes and caricatures don't feel so specific, but also ring true. I mean, I think there's there is there's not any finger pointing and there is a degree of mockery in some ways to Bernie, especially to the Bernie character. Right. I mean, there's there's genuine affection for Bernie, but there's also there's a level of ridiculousness in the character. I think the other thing about this movie is that so David Byrne is famous, like I said, for having a he is the personality of an intellectual. He's, he was an art school graduate who formed a rock band, you know, and he's a person that was famous for not appearing comfortable in his own skin. It, you know, you look at the angularity, you listen to the angularity of his music, just the, the, the awkwardness of the music in a lot of ways, or the, the giant suit in that movie talks to making sense, you know, in that concert scene where he, he's wearing this, this huge suit. That's, that's, that's even sort of animatronic and that, that kind of moves around him. Um, and yet in this movie, David Byrne's character is the only character, like you said, he's wearing a cowboy hat and wearing boots and he's wearing those flashy suits. And yet he seems comfortable and happy because he seems genuinely interested in these people in this town. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is that he seems like this is the place where he wants to be. I think that's the biggest thing. And like David Byrne, knowing about David Byrne, David Byrne doesn't seem to be happy anywhere. And yet here he is this character he's created for this film wants to be a part of this town wants to be. Yeah. And, you know, he, and, yeah. Go ahead, Scott. No, I will say there is the, it's actually one of his narrator's lines um, towards the end of the, the movie mm-hmm, where he's yep. saying that um, I'm trying to remember the exact words, but it's along the lines of he, he, he doesn't um, it's not until he's been somewhere long enough that, or he says when he first goes somewhere, he sees all the little details. He notices the doorknobs. He notices he notices everything, all the little things. And he says, but once you've been there long enough, those little things start to fade away and you start to see things with fresh eyes. And I think that's kind of his whole approach to this is like, you know what? On the surface, you see all this weirdness, maybe. But once you're immersed in it, you start to, to feel the, you know, the I want to say the genuine nature mm-hmm. of these people and right. their lives. Right. And there's, there's nothing bad about any of these people. That's the other thing. Like you said, the shut in lady, she's not sick. She just chooses to be shut in. I mean, she's weird, but she, she chooses that life. Uh, the, even the lady that lies, I mean, there's, there's something endearing about, about her lies, you know, about her crazy stories. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing, it, it, there's nothing weird or awkward or scary or creepy about Radiohead. Uh, he has, people seem to like him and seem to be genuinely interested in like him doing these, putting their hand, his hands on their heads and reading their radio waves in their head. Yeah. And, and even probably one of the most, I don't know, I don't know how you describe it. The, the relationship of Spalding Gray's character and his wife and how they haven't spoken directly to each other in years or whatever it was, his, distance from his wife didn't come across as, you know, he's a bad person or 
um, he doesn't care about his family. It was just he was very focused on what he was doing, you know. Yes. So there, there was still a little bit of that, you know, it's like, yeah, he's a little bit of an oddball, but he's not a mean person. He's not a malicious person. Well, the, the thing I would like to go back just at the end of the movie, there's the other quote he said, the thing about going and forgetting and, and details. But it was funny with the clothes stuff and the hat part that got me. He goes, you know. People were happy to sell me these clothes, but I don't see anybody wearing these clothes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's just he he's a like you said he's 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 bright, he's bold, he's uncomfortable in his own skin, but yet he's just like a he he's almost just like a curious alien wandering through like a tiny town that's like struggling with growing and become on the edge of a sesquicentennial. Yeah, so just, what was he? He said that our often our true nature is not what we hope it is. Yeah, that's that's what the 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 medicine man or the Kunidera yeah. or whatever he's supposed to be, the the voodoo guy that he goes to for to find love. That's yeah. the thing. But he goes often our true nature is what isn't what we hope it is. But then he says, but your heart is too big. You're too full of yes. love. That's what he says. So did David Byrne say, if you think if you think of it, it exists somewhere? Oh, so that is, in the weird thing is that the end credits on the title card, and I would have never noticed to look for this except I'd read about it, so I went and looked. On the very last part of the title card, it puts up the end, bunch of thank yous and stuff, and then print across the bottom, it says, if you can think of it, it exists somewhere. Right. So that and that's I, that's good because that ties back to the notion that these are not true stories, but they are true stories. I think that's the other thing that that, that it captures is these are true stories somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um, and what I think is interesting is I didn't realize it until after the fact, um, in in reading about the movie that the whole concept was based on reading. Uh, tabloids, you yeah. know, and it's like, okay, well, that kind of fits because that's why are the tabloids so successful? It's not just because they're these crazy things that people read, but they're they're often crazy stories with that nugget of, oh yeah, I can believe that happened somewhere. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the more Texas stuff that was in the movie. There's there were some things that were very that were very distinctly and uniquely Texas, uh, yeah. and, well, and specific to where we live too. Yeah, well, the thing that jumped out at me was like they were driving up to the shopping mall, and I was like, oh, okay, that looks like an old. I, I didn't recognize Big Town Mall in uh, from Mesquite. That wasn't something that I was aware of. But um, as soon as it showed the interior shot, I was like, oh, that is not the same place they were just shooting at. That's North Park. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it was right. it was very obvious to me. It's like, oh, I know exactly where that is. Well, there's there is a scene where he's driving down the freeway. Uh, and that's in like uh, Garland Mesquite area. Uh, we're over near the loop. Uh, that's six thirty-five, and you see a long shot, and there you can see the tower of the old Big Town Mall. Uh, yeah, uh, you can see that in the background. But so I was like, that's clearly Mesquite. There's another scene. I, there's a scene I love. It's another musical number. It's a very brief one. The there's a there's a scene where they're talking. He's out there with Spalding Gray at this construction site, and he's saying this. This is where he says, "What good is the, what use is the land if there's uh, except what you build on it?" And uh, this was all open prairie before. But then they, they pan over, and there's a shot of the water tower of Red Oak, which is south of Dallas. And in these group of this gang of, you know, probably eight, nine, ten year old, eleven year old kids in 4H t-shirts come walking through, banging sticks and trash can lids and 
making and they're singing and they're singing a song. Um, and I think that's just wonderful. Cause like there's these kids that are just singing this song, uh, you know, I'm the king of the world. And, and, uh, the one, this one kid who's like three feet taller than the rest of the kids, he's, he's this big, huge fat kid with red hair is super animated, makes a scene for me. He's, he's great. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was, uh, I don't know, it, it's the sort of self-deprecating thing that, uh, Texans, are, are apt to talk about and say is uh, during the talent show when uh, Spalding Gray's character is introducing the whole thing and he tells the story about God, um, you know, constructing the world. And when he's working on Texas, he gets tired. You know, he's in, he's in the middle of making Texas as beautiful and lush as the rest of the world. But then he, he takes a break and gets tired and he gets up the next day and the whole thing is hardened into concrete like concrete. And uh, he doesn't want to start over again. So what does he do? He gets the perfect idea. He just creates people that like it, <laughs> that like yeah. to live there. And yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it's that sort of self-deprecation of like, oh yeah, Texas is this inhospitable place. Why would you want to live there? Sort of, yeah. sort of idea. Um, there's another scene at the beginning when when David Burns introducing the movie and he talks about Texas. He gives a a two minute, a two or three minute, very, very brief history of Texas. And they get first, the, all this land was covered underwater. And then the dinosaurs came. They didn't last long. <laughs> uh, and then uh, he talks about that uh, the, the, the native tribes called each other, called themselves the people. They called everybody else friends. That's where the name of Texas comes from. Yeah. The, fir the first Europeans in Texas were Spaniards. They offered the Caddo Indians a chance to be their slaves. The Caddo said no. <laughs> it's very interesting. Just like that's a yeah. It's a pretty decent recap, and it's it's very dry and and moves quickly. Yeah. It, it gives you a good look at Texas. The other scene I love. It stuck with me for years. There's a scene where he says Texas is the world's largest producers of metal buildings. Metal buildings are great. You don't even need an architect. Just a just an engineer and a mechanic. <laughs> well, I like. There's a part. There's like. It, it's like there's a the big um, corporate visitors like look at that building. It's like a big box. Who yeah, knows oh, what very, could be inside? No, it's very, it's very multi-purpose. It's a giant box. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's how you put it. And it's yeah. like yeah, and that that I mean, but that's you know you even today if you just drive across South Texas and you just drive across these where there's prosperity struck, a lot of things are all built out of these just steel buildings because they cost almost nothing to put up. They're easy to insulate, and you make them whatever you want. So, yeah, I, I encourage everyone to go uh, watch this. There's a, the there's an album called Two Stories where the band performs most of the songs. Um, then he released an album, which has never been released on CD, called Sounds from True Stories, which is a lot of instrumental music from the soundtrack. And then uh, in 28, in recent years, in 20, 2006, uh, they released a extended version of the album, that had some of the music actually from the film. Um, so, and then last year, the, the movie was, the movie had been on DVD for a long time. Last year, the movie was remastered with extra features for the criterion collection, uh, and released on Blu-ray. And that's where you can find it today. You can rent it on iTunes and on Amazon, uh, and on Vudu. Uh, if you use that, uh, you can also purchase it on Amazon from, uh, the, Criterion Collection, and then I believe 
in the next few months, the Criterion Channel streaming service will be back online uh, and available, and that will be one of the films that will be streaming through that service. Yeah, so um, I wouldn't call this one of my favorite movies, <laughs> yeah. but um, I think it's it's definitely interesting, and uh, it, it's it's probably worth watching. I, I'm not gonna. It's not one of those like uh, Silent Fury where I wish maybe I hadn't uh, watched it. <laughs> uh, my my wife made it up to the puzzle and evidence scene, and then she went to bed. Uh, but I, I love it. I I've I've enjoyed I enjoyed the movie when I saw it years ago, and I enjoy it every time I watch it. So I think I think it's just a really cool, weird, fun movie. I I I, I like it, but it also does appeal to. I, I like the Talking Heads, so it appeals to my sometimes off kilter tastes. Well, I mean, look, it's a unique, fun film. It's got early performances by John Goodman and Susie Kurtz and some of these other great actors in it. Um, <clears throat> and he does a great job just casting a lot of like local folks. Plus mm-hmm. if you're um, like child of the eighties, there's a local engineer guy that he runs into in the mall coming out of some technology store. He's carrying like a VCR and a, an, uh, an old Atari computer in a box. And I was just like, <laughs> my heart leapt at seeing like this classic, like uh home computer in like it's original cardboard box. I was like, Oh my gosh, look at that. Oh, I, I loved the I'm seeing swooning. Walden books. I love seeing Walden books in the mall. I mean, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> Walden books and County seat jeans, West, all of those old 80s, uh, 80s uh, stores, Justin's Shoes. I know. I know. Yep, those are the bygone era. There was a weird energy in the 80s happening all around, but I think in Texas they, they caught a little piece of it. And and this can't, you know, 86, this was made in 85. 85 was a weird time in Texas, so, you know, the oil industry had sort of ground to a halt technology was sort of the new watch world and then they give a nice shout out to texas instruments and kirby and the invention of the transistor happened oh yeah in texas yeah and the very remember beginning. that forgot about that if i had a choice i'd say like you know you want to you want do you like talking heads check out this film stop making sense is probably a better it's probably a better film but, um, you, you know, the other... Well, but or, it's or, not or, nearly or, as Texan as this one, which is kind of the point. Yeah. No, I enjoyed this. I'm, yeah, I'm this glad I watched fun. it. This was fun to revisit. I hadn't seen it probably since college. I think Sean probably made me watch it in college. Probably. I think it's a good movie. I think everybody should check it out. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I am Scotticus. If you like the show, we'll tell your friends about what we're up to and go leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.